What's up and welcome back to the Cycling with Watts podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am your host, Jared Watts, and I got a super, super special podcast in store for you all today. It's an interview with Zach Morris. It's great, chocked full of stuff, so you're definitely going to want to listen to this one. But if you haven't listened to the Cycling with Watts podcast before, thank you so much for uh, for tuning in. And this is a podcast dedicated to all things cycling, here to get you motivated to get out on your bike more, bringing you pro news, bringing you tech news, bring you maintenance and training tips also interview like today so thank you so much for tuning in we're going to hit that orchestra music and get into the podcast going to get into that podcast just want to take care of a couple housekeeping things first if this is your first time listening or you've listened 18 times before this just real quick my name is jared watts again I am a bike enthusiast. I'm a bike mechanic by day, bike podcaster by night. Every day I'm riding some sort of bike in some sort of fashion or touching a bike or doing something around bikes. I just love cycling and I want to share that passion with you all. And speaking of passion, this interview with Zach was uh, super special for me. I thought it was you know, really cool that he wanted to come on and do the podcast because he was one of the people that inspired me to do the podcast. I saw him creating, saw him being real genuine and authentic with his social media presence and sharing his cycling experience. That It was, it was one of the things that inspired me to, to, to do the podcast and then share my passion for it, share my experiences, share my knowledge with you all out there. So thank you so much for for tuning in, and I, I really hope you get a lot out of this interview with Zach. You know, he's been around bikes his entire life. He's kind of had some ups and downs with cycling, and he shares it all in this interview. But at the core, he just wants to share that passion that he has, share that desire for cycling that he has, and then hopefully teach some things that uh, you know he's learned throughout his career and life with cycling. So, without further ado. Let's get into the interview with Zach Morris. All right, so we got Zach Morris on the podcast today. I'm super excited to have Zach here with us. Zach is, uh, I would say, a cycling influencer, super big on social media, running like three accounts, started his own wheel brand. He uh, has a Instagram page to pro cycling. He's a racer. He's a, a vlogger, so he's doing it. He's doing it all, so thank you and welcome to the show, Zach. What's up, Watts? What's up, everybody? Yeah, happy to be here, man. Yeah, yeah, sweet. So, and and yeah, thank you so much for being on here. If you guys don't know who Zach is, seriously, go follow him. Uh, starting now, you'll get to hear a story a little bit uh, coming into in this interview. But uh, yeah, let's get started. So, when I first started following you, you were in uh, in Colombia. Then you moved to Florida. Now you're up in Canada. You used to be a bodybuilder. Now you're, you know, winning crits and just doing all this stuff in the cycling industry. So just give me a little bit of background about how how you got into cycling and some of the places it's taken you around the world. Yeah, I mean that's a, you know how much time do we have? <laughs> we got we got as much time as you want. So right. so so that's like a that's a long story, man. I started racing my bike when I was 11, right? So. My dad was kind of a, you know, looking back now, a little bit of a similar story to me in the sense that, like, he was a power lifter. So he, like, he set records back in the day. My dad was one of the first guys in Canada to bench press over 600 pounds. Dang. So he was just an animal, like, played football for the University of Calgary. And he got into cycling, you know, just looking for a healthier way to work out. 
And so my dad was super passionate about cycling as I grew up. And my dad's brother, Uncle Pete, who was in one of the recent vlogs, he, uh, he got really into cycling too. And so when I was young, they started taking me around with them. Like, you know, hey, Zach, try to climb this hill on your BMX bike type thing. You know, like this two-kilometer climb. And I was, I was just like, you know, vicious. I just wanted to make it up all the little climbs and do well. And um, so I started racing at 11 went to my first race and just got my ass kicked. <laughs> I, sh- I showed up on this like $40 garage sale bike and they're like doing call-ups to this like U13 junior race. Man. Like these kids are on like STI shifters, like sick as Cannondale bikes, national champions. And I'm like, Oh dude, what is this? <laughs> Up in Canada, we play hockey. We don't really know much about cycling. You know what I mean? There's a lot of hockey here in Minnesota. So I, I totally understand that one. Not as big as Canada, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, I got some I got some friends from Minnesota that raced. Yeah, a good bunch of people, man. It seems like anywhere hockey is, you, you get you get good people. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And um, so yeah, I did my first race when I was really young, and I didn't start taking it seriously until I was like fifteen. Um, but uh, actually, what had happened was my brother um, had passed away when I was fifteen years old, and. Um, I kind of started going through some some tough times, and cycling was kind of there for me as something to invest my energy into. As a, as a kid, like clearly going through some, being frustrated and just you know going through some some difficult things in his life that you know I wish no kids had to go through. Cycling was kind of like there for me um, as an outlet to release energy and frustration. And so I started getting really good. Like I won my first um, men's cat three race when I was 15. And then I won my first pro one, two race when I was 16 and I started to do, to do really well. Um, but it was just like a, a consistency thing for me, you know, here in Canada, we get brutal winners and every winter it was just like, okay, yeah, I'm definitely not riding outside in the winter. Like, <laughs> I'm a cyclist in Canada, like zero chance that's happening, you know? So it was, uh, it was just a hobby for me. And then, uh, when I, when I got to like 18 years old, um, I got lucky because my, my coach, his son was world time trial champion and, uh, he was always looking at my time trial times in the local course. And I was always just a little bit faster than his son. And he's saying to my uncle and my dad, he's like, yo, this kid's got talent, man. Like you need to like get him taking cycling seriously. Like my son was world champion and he's as good as my son. Like, yeah, <laughs> That's awesome him. to have that comparison. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it just, it just happened, you know, it was just luck um, that he lives, you know, like he's, his name is Merrick. Um, he lives like five kilometers from me. He's, uh, we still trash talk to each other all the time on social media, but um, yeah. So uh, anyways, he, he kind of like vouched for me with the provincial team. He's like, yo, like take Zach to Abitibi, which is a junior world cup. And like, I had literally been riding my bike for a month, like one month of training I was like, okay, well, like, well, I don't even know what, what's, a, what's a World Cup, you know? So I get there, and, you know, now I'm not racing against local Canadian juniors and American juniors or Cat 3 men. I'm racing against, like, you know, like, Belgium's there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? like, like, oh, shit. Why are these guys all so serious? You know, like, I, yeah. didn't, even, I, didn't, I didn't even realize, like, the, what a World Cup was. And it was like, it was all of a sudden, everybody's intense. Everybody's, like, serious about winning. And so, like... Stage one, I just got fired up. I was like, yo, I'm going to win this shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I get in the break, and uh, I told you, I had been riding for a month, right? I get in the break, and we're just nailing it, man, on these little junior gears. 
and the stage was like 111k like it's junior race it's not so long and uh dude i, I launched this move like off the front 4k to go and i'm solo dude. I'm, I'm solo and i'm just like i'm like you know five minutes into this move not even maybe one minute into this move i'm like dude what am i doing with my life like why <laughs> Like here right now, this sucks so bad. Right? Just but so I'm much just... adrenaline pumping too at that time, I'm sure. Yeah, and we had like, well, here's me. Like I just explained to you, you know, like I, I had never done an event like this. And like in the breakaway, you got like Belgium, you got France, you got USA. And I'm like, it's like <laughs> Olympics. You know what I mean? Like, I'm gone. Nobody's catching me. So I'm nailing it. Anyways, they catch me at the line. I end up oh, getting devastating. Four... Yeah, dude. It was like, it was devastating. So. Anyways, I ended up like turning some heads and they're like, yo, who is this kid? He's been riding his bike for a month and he's, he's kind of an animal. So I signed with a, like a small Canadian pro team, uh, for the following year. And the next year I won like 17 races pro one, two around the U S and, uh, that was, that was kind of like, Hey, you know, maybe I'm actually good at bike racing. That was kind of that moment. And, uh, from there. I went to the U.S. and I went to uh, an American team, Herbalife. Do you remember that company? Yeah, yep. So back in the day, they dumped a bunch of money into like David Beckham, the LA Galaxy. And at the same time, they, they poured a bunch of money into this bike team in South Florida. And they signed me as like, you know, like, you know, maybe this kid will be a good filler on the team. But uh, I didn't realize like that I was actually going really good. You know, like I didn't realize how good I was at that point, but I went to the Tour of Bahamas with that team and I was like, I think I was like four seconds off Dave Zabriskie in the time trial. Dang. You know, like back in the day when he was good, like I'm pretty sure I beat Christian Van Velde. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. And it was like, holy shit, you know, like, okay, maybe I am decent, you know? And then it, it, it was a couple more races and we got into the road race and like in the breakaway, dude, it was like me. Tyler Farrar, John Durango, who was like a Columbia national team member back in the day, Christian Vandeveld, Dave Zabriskie. And like, in the end, it was like me, Christian Vandeveld, Tyler Farrar, and some guy on Rite Aid. I forget who it was, but, you know, I ended up getting fourth overall in that race. So it was like, it was pretty eye opening. And uh, from there, I had the chance to go over to Europe and race for the Kofidis farm team. Which oh, was, sweet which was ABCX. And again, you know, still pretty naive. Like this all happened kind of fast, you know, like within a two year span. And how old um, are you on the, uh, the Kofidis team? 19. Okay. So like I'm 18 at this junior race, literally one full year goes by and now I'm in Europe racing. You know, <laughs> D, D, well today, I guess the rankings back in the day, they used to call that division one, but now division one is like world tour. So this would be like division two now. Right. So mm-hmm. it'd be like continental level. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I went over there, and I, I was, uh, dude, I was just so stoked to be in Europe. I was like, oh, I'm a real bike racer now, you know, like, and my roommate was from Colombia. The other guy was from France, and they had all, like, you know, done big shit. Like, they were national champs, and, like, they were, they were re- the real deal, and I was learning a lot from them. But, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the bike racer that they were because they had really just so much more experience than I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll never forget, man, like, uh, I believe that like, you know, bike racing is like, you either got it and you need to win or you don't, 
and that's a huge part of the sport like that intuition like you can't teach that you know what i mean you can't teach that timing you can't teach that reading the race you can't teach that intuition like you know like when is the time to make it happen type thing like you know when when director sportifs look at races now they're pretty dialed in they know like generally like okay we're gonna attack on this climb but they don't know at like what moment like what way what way the momentum is swinging into that climb for example mm. right and so I, I guess one of my best skills is, is that, is that natural intuition. And so my first race in Europe, I, uh, it's a crazy crosswind race, like typical, we were in like Northern France, we were like close to Paris. Oh yeah. And, and it was just like crosswinds, like crazy. We're in like and 180 guys on the start line. Like this was the, I had never done a race like this. This was the real deal. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Just like a straight but, shock to the system. So my and and my French wasn't that great. So my manager's <laughs> on the right. He's like Zach. He's telling me like you stay in that front group, you get in that front group, and you stay there. And I was like, all right, dude. So like I was I was pretty much prepared to be in the front group or to die, <laughs> right? So that's great. So it's just like split apart. I'm in the front group, and it's just like death line for a hundred k, you know. And we get into this rolling section. And uh, the pelotons, you know, the, as the the race breaks up, and then it tends to come back together into one big peloton when you get out of the winds. So when we got out of the winds, um, this guy named Gadim Smuculus, who was like dominating the circuit back then, he comes rolling by, and I didn't had no idea who any of these guys were, but I was just like, yo, this guy looks like he's up to something, so I'm gonna jump on this wheel. Anyway, so he nails it up this climb, and I'm just there, and here I am in in the breakaway. 40k to go in my first d1 race in france <laughs> <laughs> and and it's on like donkey kong you know what i mean like we're just we're nailing it and we start to get a gap on the on the on the field but my manager is like hold on a second like this kid's not supposed to be like in the breakaway he's supposed to be like working for the team type thing right <laughs> <laughs> and so i had like gotten a little bit ahead of myself yeah you just can't help yourself with the breakaway so yeah <laughs> right like i just yeah i was just going with, i was in the flow dude and uh so he gets on the radio he's like yo zach back to the field i was like what what do you mean back to the field like I, i'm not dropping out of the break dude because, you know at this point there was like 30k left in the race and we are nailing it i was like nobody's catching us we're gone so i go back to the field and that break ends up staying away and they they won the race and i was like dude i was pissed <laughs> yeah I was fucking pissed i was like I was like, dude, why? Like, I just didn't understand. You know what I mean? I'm like, why? What part of the sport, you know, you know, where is it somebody's goal to not want to win? Like, I was in the winning mood, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was like a, a bit of a shift. And I totally understood at that point, like, you know, cycling was like, you know, very much like you do what the team says. And as a 19 year old kid on a French team, you know, like, that's just the way it is. And so I, uh, I kept racing and kept training over there, but uh, I got some good, good, good results. I got top ten in like the U twenty seven version of the Perry Roubaix. So Dang. Uh, things were going really good. Like my director sportifs were all super happy. Coaches were happy. They were telling me like I was going to be a big pro, and I'm like, whatever, cool. <laughs> and uh, I ended up getting sick. I ended up getting a, a, an infection in my wisdom teeth, so the plaque built up underneath my tooth, and. Uh, it basically started to deplete all the available oxygen in my blood and mm -hmm. I got really sick, dude, almost died. 
Um, but I didn't even know I was sick. That's the issue because the symptoms of that are, you know, that you're tired. Mm-hmm. And so when, when you're training upwards of 20 hours a week, you're always tired, you know? Yeah. You tend to be tired doing that much training. So yeah. <laughs> so like, what do you, what do you, what do you do? Right. So anyways, I just like, you know, I was training more and my numbers were getting worse and they're like, eventually they started doing some tests on me and they're like, dude, you gotta go back and get surgery like immediately. So I went back to Canada, uh, and they're like, oh, well, you're not going to be able to race for six months. So, yeah, you're cut off. So they cut my pay. Um, and at this point, like, remember, this all kind of happened for me really fast. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, like, I need to get a job because I have no money. But, you know, I, like, maxed out my credit cards going over to Europe. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> needed, to, needed to get my shit together, right? So I uh, I started working jobs, dude, like. I, uh, you know, started washing dishes at a Chinese restaurant and then, you know, I saved up enough money. I was working as like a department manager in a sporting goods store. And then I worked up and saved up enough money to like get my personal training certificate. And that's where I kind of started this career in fitness outside of, you know, the bike game. Um, and then I guess fast forward, like fitness kind of brought me a lot of opportunities in the sense that um i've always been a real go-getter and you know just through building a good client base i was able to you know establish myself in the fitness industry and then partner up with a doctor down in south florida launch our own supplement company so we were manufacturing protein powders fat burners all these sorts of things and that went really well um and what was that brand called uh that was called fuel strip it was a sports science company so we were actually because of my background in cycling, um, uh, I was pretty uh, pretty influential in the way that company was kind of you know going. Because we invented this test strip um, that was taking samples of people's sweat, and we created the first dosage-based sports nutrition program, where uh, based on the results of their sweat, we were able to determine what type of fuel they were primarily metabolizing, whether it be carbs, fats, or muscle. So dang, that sounds under- super cool. Yeah, well, endurance athletes, they want to be burning carbs, right? Like, they don't want to be Mm -hmm. dipping into that muscle. And so we were able to tell them in increments of five grams how many uh, carbs they needed to consume at that moment so that they could perform optimally. And, uh, yeah, that was a a pretty cool thing. And that's why I was in South Florida um, for a few years there. And that's where I met my, well, who is now um, ex-wife, who is from Cartagena, Colombia. Um, So I met her there and then she wanted to be closer to family. And I, at that, at this point in time, fast forward a couple of years, I, uh, I was working just online. Um, and this is kind of where I started to get into social media and personal branding and all these sorts of things. So where I was living in, um, Miami was, it's a, it was a hub at the time. Like looking back, this is like 2014. This is before anybody was using Instagram to make money. This is before Facebook ads, you know, like this was like a very niche thing. And Instagram was like a way that I could just get super cheap traffic to my supplement company. And so I started leveraging at the time were micro influencers. I mean, now you know, my neighbor, she has like almost, I think she's got 15 million followers on Instagram, <laughs> you know, like all these people around me like really blew up. And so what I was doing is I was helping, um, build other people's profiles up. So I was, I was helping them with personal branding and in exchange, you know, 
selling selling my supplements, but but they were making commissions off of it. So I built a really cool system for our company, and then our company got to the point where we were going to um, just start selling to doctors' offices. So I was like, you know what? Like I'm just like so passionate about this like social aspect of where the brand is going. I don't really want to like you know, my job to be going around and visiting doctor's offices every day. Like, I'm just not into that um, because what I had been doing up until then was like going to, I was doing like 60 events a year, you know, like more than one trade show a week type thing going to, we sponsored all kinds of events, like marathons, the, you know, um, all the big, all the big outdoor events in South Florida. Like we were, we had our big blow up tent at the, at the finish line and it was like tons of fun. So when I started looking at my role transitioning from like this, outdoor very social um position to like going and meeting with you know doctors not that i have anything against doctors or anything like that it's just like i wasn't so interested in the clinical environment and mm-hmm. i wanted to get the the social aspect going i thought it suited my personality a lot more so i ended up checking out of the brand entirely i was like you know what i got my shares in the company you guys do your thing i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna move on to the next thing and so <clears throat> i started this online fitness business um, because I had a good following and a lot of people knew me, uh, in the fitness industry now. So I was just selling like digital downloads, like workout programs, diet programs, stuff like that. And my, I guess life kind of became this, this online digital marketing, you know, world. And so at the time, um, my wife was like, yo, I want to go down to Columbia, be closer to my family. My grandma's getting old, you know, and I thought, okay, Columbia, cool. You know, like I always wanted to go there. I've always been scared about it, you know, because we all heard about Pablo Escobar and, and all that, all that stuff, you know. So, I mean, part of me was like super scared, but at the same time, I was like, yes, yeah, it's badass. I always wanted to do it, you know. You got sunshine, and you got a ton of uh, a ton of climbing out there too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Columbia's really got a lot of diversity, you know, for cyclists. But when I went down there, like this is. Like I was there for three years before I started to ride a bike there. Oh wow! You know, so all this time in fitness, right? Like I'm not biking. I'm lifting weights. Like I'm worried about my abs, dude. <laughs> just getting absolutely swole out there. Exactly, dude. Just flexing on them. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. I was just looking through my Instagram last week, like deleting all these old fitness pictures. <laughs> You know, and, and, and the way Instagram's kind of evolved, like these these crappy pictures like just used to do so well. And now like you need to have like the best photos on Instagram in order for them to, to work. Oh, like, yeah. You, you can't convert followers that come to your page unless you've got top quality content. And it just didn't used to be like that, you know. So anyways, I'm in I'm in Cartagena, Colombia. And uh by this time, I had already started Pro Tour Cycling, right? So Pro Tour Cycling was initially a page that I had started as one of these various pages to drive traffic to our supplement company. So I had like basketball pages, I had running pages, I had all these pages. But um, the cycling one, being a, having some background in cycling was one that I was, you know, the most interested in. So I, I kept that one going after the fact. And... Uh, I moved to Colombia. I, uh, you know, didn't know anybody in Colombia. I knew my wife and her family, and that's it. I knew nobody else. Right? And did you so, have any Spanish background at that point? Maybe a little bit. 
zero. Zero. I knew, <laughs> I knew nothing. I knew, I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. Just like I went in there, guns ablazing. Like, okay, Columbia, I'm here. Let's do this. And uh, yeah, so the first the first like year was scary as shit because like my wife's family was like, Zach, don't go outside. You're gonna get robbed. <laughs> And so I was like, fuck, man, like, what did I get myself into? Why am I here? You know, like, um, but I eventually got past that and I started like working out and, uh, started networking and I launched like my Zach Mars fitness app and I had a team of like salespeople going around in Columbia selling the Zach Mars fitness program. And it was great until one day I went to the gym to swipe in to work out and they're like, Oh, your pass has been canceled. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, you know, you're banned from the gym. <laughs> So because I had, and then I, I realized I was banned from all the major gyms in Columbia. So what had happened was my salespeople were going into gyms and like stealing personal training clients. And they were like, who's, who's the Zach Morris guy, right? So they just like, they just banned me. And I didn't even have, I didn't even have anything to do with it, but it's Columbia. And I wasn't really getting anywhere with the like, hey, you know, please don't kick me out of the gyms. It's not my fault. Yeah, it's you absolutely know. crazy just to be banned from all the major gyms. Yeah. Yeah, like even thinking about it now, it's so bizarre. But anyways, it is what it is. So uh, uh, at that point, I was just like, you know what? Like, let me like really just focus on this like cycling media thing. Um, it's it was fun for me, and I just like really started posting like news consistently on Instagram. And my strategy was like, you know, people are on Instagram so much and the benefit of instagram is that people don't have to go out and actively seek a website so the news is just on the app that they're you know on and so pro tour cycling was like the first english speaking media page and back in back in the day the copyright rules were a little bit different on instagram so we could like take these videos that were like gonna go viral like you just knew they were gonna go viral post them and you could get like three, four thousand followers from one video. So it was just like, it was nuts. The yeah, that's crazy. Or organic reach you could get from content. They've since changed that, and like some accounts are even getting deleted. So all the stuff we post now is like, I won't post anything that's you know got copyright. Like it's just not worth, you know, losing the account. Yeah, but for sure. I started, I started focusing on on doing a relatively good job at that, and it really started to blow up. Like. You know, within one year, we went from like 20,000 followers to over 100,000 followers. And like at that time, like the only channels that ho had over 100,000 followers were like Peloton Magazine, you know, like the big, the big ones. Like it was a really kind of fresh space. Um, and I had kind of seen what had happened in fitness. And so I was taking all of this, all of these fitness strategies and like implementing it on Instagram uh, for in cycling, sorry. Um, and, uh, so I just built this page up, you know, just posting every day, every day. And so opportunities started to come from that. And I started to travel around, do some, do some talking at, at different events and, um, build relationships with brands. And I, I got to a point where I was like, you know what, like, I want to do more with the page. I want to like, you know, get involved, help grow cycling, help, um, you know, help some athletes out directly. And I thought that launching a brand would be the best way to do that because I had kind of identified that there was no real money in the media side, you know, like, I don't know how any of these media companies make money other than selling magazines. And I, I don't even know if they turn a profit or if they're owned by some kind of shell company, but it's just really hard to like make any money on the media side. So my idea was to like launch a brand, 
Um, and then from the profits of the brands, I could maybe fund a team. I could help some athletes out, get to races. That was kind of like my strategy in launching bear composites. Right. Um, and so we had the audience and basically one thing led to another. And I, uh, I got into this wheel manufacturing thing and we started our, our, our team bear composites and I didn't really have plans to race, uh, to be honest with you. I didn't have plans to like, um, do this big comeback, but I was on a long road trip and, uh, I came back home, uh, to Columbia and my, my wife out of, out of the blue, like told me she wanted a divorce and I was like, Holy shit. You know, like that hit me really hard, dude. And yeah, I'm sure. I, uh, I needed something to like put my energy into. And so I, I got on my bike, dude, like I, I wasn't riding at all. Like I earlier that that year I had bought a Pinarello for a marketing campaign for Bear, and I had maybe ridden it five times. And you know when that news kind of came striking striking in, I was like, you know what? Let me just get on my bike and invest my energy in this. And like, um, <clears throat> so this would be out on the 16th. So by then my story will actually be live on ZachMorris.ca. So you can actually like go and read in detail all these all these things I'm, I'm i'm kind of mentioning right now oh audience. sweet but but um yeah so i started training dude and like just like hitting up on the you know hitting up the group rides down there i started riding with guys like jose serpa who did like you know 15 grand tours you yeah know, like guys an animal and just getting involved with the right people and training hard and dude i worked up to like 30 hours one week 31 and a half hours was my biggest week like I did like a thousand K that week, like over 900 and something kilometers. That's crazy. I was was nailing it. I was possibly training harder than I've ever trained in my life. And just because I needed an outlet, dude, because prior to me getting back on my bike, I was drinking like six to eight beers a day, like just partying, like going out with different girls, like Mm -hmm. just trying to occupy my time, you know, trying not to go to this like dark mental space, just trying to like find i guess stimulation like i needed stimulation something to take my mind off of all of the problems that i had in my life and so that's kind of what what sparked this comeback and you know when i when i got to racing in colombia i did the the vuelta valley was my first race back and i'd been riding for like two months and it was a five-day stage race and uh i got on i got in this race man and it was like it was like I, I was there and I was like, I know I belong here. Like, this is, this is where I belong. And it was, it was the perfect place for me to start because the intensity, the passion for cycling in Colombia is like nothing I've ever experienced. Like they're more passionate about cycling in Colombia than they are in Europe. It's nuts. It's, it's insane. Like you get into a taxi in Medellin, Colombia and that taxi, you know, there's a good chance. They don't just know Chris Froome and Rigoberto Urea. They know like the guys on the, pro continental teams they even know like up and coming riders in the system you know like they're really into cycling down there like we are into hockey in canada and so that's cool and i think that's starting to kind of show on the world tour now more and more and so it's cool that you got to see that firsthand though yeah i mean on the billboards down there man they don't have you know hockey players and basketball players they've got cyclists on their billboards on the on the side of the highway like it's dope Mm -hmm. it's dope and to be honest with you, like I didn't like Colombia as much as I did until I started riding there. When I started riding in Colombia, I fell in love with that country, dude. You know, it was it was amazing. And so 
I got in that race, man, and it's like literally 50 kilometers into a flat stage, and we're banging elbows for position. And I was like, yo, you know, we got 150k left in the stage. Why are we banging elbows? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's a little early chill. for that, so. Right, but that's just the intensity. Like the intensity down there is like nothing I've ever experienced. It was amazing. It was really amazing. And even though it was like stressful, banging elbows, it still kind of felt like home for you, though, just to be in the middle of that pack again. Well, like you know what? To be honest with you, like that's what I love. I love the carnage. I love it. Like you know, when I left cycling, like I started. Like I don't know what it is. Like I'm a nice guy, but like. I've always been down to fight, you know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of a scrapper, like, and, you know, to make extra money when I was, when I was working as a personal trainer, I was a bouncer in a nightclub, like five, seven short guy, but <laughs> I was ready to throw down. And we like, I worked in the most dangerous club in my city, dude, like all the gangbangers were there and I was choking them out on a weekly basis. So like, that's absolutely crazy. <laughs> that that's just, that's just my mentality, dude. Like I, I grew up fighting like inner city kid, like, you got a problem in the schoolyard, like we're boxing at lunch, like let's go. That and and that's <laughs> that's that's kind of like that's what I mean when I say like I was new to this whole cycling. Like cycling is like this gentleman sport. And when I came back to even the US, like I had an issue with Daniel Holloway this year and after the race, like he's in the middle of an interview. I just walked up to him and I was like, Yo, if you want to fight, let's fight. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty crazy in the cycling world so that's a... right right exactly right but like that's what i mean in the sense that like it, it it was it's a it was always like a totally new space to me but like when i got in this race and i'm banging elbows 50k in and i'm like dude this is like this is this is what i i love this i love the chaos i love the the, the the intensity and so like that first day dude like they're winding up the sprint and like you know, like Milano, who just signed with UAE, you know, he's he's in that race. Like, there's world track champion sprinters in that race. Like, everybody on the Colombian circuit was, like, in World Tour last year, going to World Tour this year, like, fighting to be the next Gaviria or Nero Quintana. Like, their life is cycling. Mm -hmm. And, dude, they're winding this sprint up 20K out. <laughs> and I'm just, like... I'm just like, this is on. Like, I felt like I was in a tour stage, right? So we're, I'm working my way up, dude. I got my old teammate from Europe in this race in Colombia. Oh, really? That's like, sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's actually the one that got me on the Colombian national team because he was like, he messaged the director of his team. He's like, yo, this guy's an animal. Get him on your squad. Like, I raced with him in Europe. So they signed me for this race. Anyway, so my team is like pure climbers, dude. Like, the heaviest guy on my team <laughs> might be 120 pounds. Right, so like this is a flat day nobody's bringing me up my teammate who's on another team is like all right zach i'm gonna bring you to the front let's fucking do this old, old like old times so he's bringing me up we're on two different teams dude i get in position and we're like we're like one and a half k from the line it's about to go down and i'm just like working my way up to the to the end of the the post i'm on lead out and all of a sudden, man, three guys go down in front of me. It's a huge oh, pile. No. I'm, in the, I'm in the ditch. I'm like, shit. You know, like, oh, dude. But, like, to me, like, the fact that I was there on, like, literally, again, I had been riding maybe two months. Yeah, that's crazy. Know? Two like, months of training, and you're up there competing with the best of the best down there. And and and, and, that, that, and, and I got up from that crash, dude, and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm meant to be here. Like, this is, this is who I am. It's in my blood. Like, let's go let's go and so the next day 
I crashed twice. <laughs> I chased I chased the Peloton for sixty kilometers, covered in blood. My manager was like, dude, like I've never seen heart. You know, the manager of the team down there's like, I've never seen heart like that. Like I literally chased that Peloton for sixty K until I caught them. And was that after the two crashes too? I mean sixty K in itself after, is amazing, but after the two crashes, Dang. yeah. I was just pissed. I was so pissed. And because it was my first race back, I was like determined to like finish, you know. And then the next day was an uphill time trial, 14 kilometer climb. And uh, Oscar Sevilla put like six or seven minutes into me. Dang. So I missed, I missed the time cut. I was just so banged up from the crash. And really, I think the effort of like chasing for 60K, like I had no gas on that, oh, yeah. on that, on that climb. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't even ride, dude. It was a disaster. So I got kicked out of the race just because I didn't make the time cut. And, uh, it was kind of like back to the drawing board, and I was like, "Yo, I uh, I don't really have anything in my life right now. I got no kids. Um, my wife and I we had opened up some restaurants down in Colombia, but she was managing those, and so my you know day to day life required me to work online, and you know I had a lot of free time, so I just was like, let me do this bike racing thing, and uh, I decided to go over to the U.S. Um, and do some races, but you know, that didn't get any easier, bro. Like when I got to the U S I got bit by a brown or loose spider. Yeah. You see Cause that? you were out for a couple of months, right. With another kind of infection thing. Dude, I almost lost my leg, bro. Like I didn't even know what the heck a brown or loose spider was. Yeah. Like, dude, this thing bit me on my leg. And then the next day, like I'm literally, you know, I'm like saying to my dad, my dad went to the race with me. I'm like, yo dad, my leg is like hurting. He's like, let me see it. He's like, Oh, suck it up. You know, stop being a, stop being a wimp. I'm like, All right. <laughs> So I race. Typical dad, so yeah. I get out the race. I'm like, yo, dad, my heart rate was jacked. Like, my heart rate was way too high. He's like, oh, you're just not in shape. I'm like, no, dad, like, the races I was doing down in Columbia were a lot harder than this. Like, you know, something's not right. He's like, whatever. So, anyways, I took, like, a Benadryl that night. Woke up the next day. Was feeling like shit. The race was at 3 p.m. It was a three-day race. Crits. So, I'm, like, in bed till 1 right? Like I'm just sweating, sweating, sweating. I, I get up. I'm like, dad, let's just go to the race and watch, you know, like I'm not, I'm not feeling good. I get there and I'm like, fuck it. I'm racing. So <laughs> nothing's going to stop. you. We lap the field, you know, in the pro one, two race. And, uh, I end up screwing up the finish. I get like fifth because out of five guys, I lap the field. It was real bogus. But anyway, <laughs> was not very happy about that but then i mean after that race my leg had just started to like swell up so much like it was just like huge black and like leaking pus oh. so i uh <clears throat> i went to see the doctor in the u.s they gave me some medication medication didn't take the first couple days and so my doctor down in columbia who i was sending photos to was like dude get your ass here like right now we need to we need to treat this you could lose your leg so i jumped on the next plane he started hitting me with some antibiotic injections and like, um, you know, like right off the plane, like I literally got there and like, it was 17 days on antibiotics, no riding, couldn't go in the sun, like strong antibiotics, dude, like strong, like the nurse would come and administer the, the shots to me every day. And like, it wasn't the needle aspect that hurt. It was like the liquid going into my muscle that just oh. like burned. That just like, makes I me cringe. Know. 
oh, bro, like, the, I don't know what they were shooting, but I forget what it was called. But, dude, that hurt. Like, the, the whatever it was was just so strong to kill this infection because what the brown recluse mucus does is it rots the muscle so that the spider can eat it. Mm. So this, this venom in my leg is literally, like, rotting my muscle tissue. You know, and the antibiotics have to stop that process from happening. So it's some strong shit. That's absolutely nuts. <laughs> so that was a month off the bike pretty much, you know. And then I was kind of pissed because my form was just starting to come around. So I thought, you know, still like, you know, very not very long into the into, into training and all that. But I went back to the States and it was like one week from Athens twilight. And I was like, oh, there's no way I'm going. Yeah. You know? <laughs> But it was like two days before Athens and I was doing some intervals and I was like, dude, I think I could race, you know? So I jumped in my car the day before Athens, drove all night, literally slept like three hours the day of the race. Like, cause I, I, I arrived at eight o'clock in the morning, um, <clears throat> jumped in the race, got pushed all the way to the back, um, started the race out and just was like working my way up. And have you seen Athens Twilight? I remember looking at the pictures this year, uh, so a little bit. I know a little bit of the course. Haven't been there in person though. Yeah, so it's like a. It's I've never been there before either, and it's like a. It's an intense crit, dude. Like if there's a crit win in the U.S., it's Athens Twilight. Like that, that, that crit is elbow banging intensity. It's it's dope. Yeah, it looks and, awesome. And so like I tried to like sneak my way into the front, like. Actually, I even had a beef with one of these uh, type one guys. Like, I like backed my way into their spot, and they're like, "Yo, you're not supposed to be here." And the same thing. I'm like, "Yo, dude, like, you better watch your fucking attitude." Talk to me like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Type, type thing. So I just like looked at this kid, like, "Yo, dude, like, you better be prepared to fight me if you're gonna run your mouth, right?" <laughs> he was like, "All right, like, stop fucking around." So he, he, anyways, I get to the start line. They're like, no, you're not a division one team all the way to the back. So I'm at the back. Of oh, like, devastating. Move up in, right? And, uh, well, in crits though, the back is the best place to start, right? <laughs> I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. Like, honestly, like I, I, I didn't, I don't even like, there's so many people that have like, that have so much more knowledge than I do about like positioning and all of this stuff i just like dude i just like to ride my bike hard you mm. know what i mean like, i'm not like a super technical you know sport director type of guy i just you know get in there and throw down so i have to like work my way up the field and it took me like 20 minutes dude but I, as soon as i get to the front i do the typical zach i'm like all right i'm gonna nail it right and so like i just like launched this attack you know like to bridge up to these Colorado guys up the road and like Frankie and Dre, I watched the race afterwards. Like Frankie and Dre was like, and there's a rider in black. You know, like, <laughs> move, and it's like, it's it coming out of nowhere. Yeah, dude. And like, I literally like, you know, I did that for like two laps. Got caught and was like, oh shit. I uh, I don't have the fitness for this. You know, like I got this. I got this. Like my heart's. Running. I started to like cramp up in my lungs and like. I had to pull out of the race like 35 minutes in. Dude. Well, and what? You were on the bike a handful of weeks, maybe a month after this infection too? No, that was a week and a half. Week and a half. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's <laughs> nuts. But anyways, that, that's kind of like the start of how, how, uh, how, I got, how I got back into biking. And then from there, you know, I was just kind of like more or less riding for Brandon, who was one of the Bear Composites riders. So, like, we went to Intelligentsia. It's just he and I. Um, we had a couple of friends. Like, his brother was in the race too. Um, but Brandon won the first day and, 
it was it became about defending the jersey at Intelligentsia, and you know we had we had a lot of fun racing this year. I won a bunch of local stuff, but then the kind of highlight of the year was coming back to Canada and winning Criterium National in Montreal. So yeah, that, that was, was super uh, cool to that, see. That was a big deal, but yeah, man, that's uh that's the just of of who Zach is, uh, how he got into biking, <laughs> and how he how he got out of biking and how he got back in. Well, that's um, awesome, and and kind of one of the themes coming out of that that talk is that the bike has been you know such a place for you to to go to and uh, kind of maybe get your life back on track, but give you a motivation. And, and for me, I've seen you in your content that you're creating. You're really trying to push that onto other people and be an inspiration. And uh, the bike is that basically vehicle to give them that inspiration back into life. So do you want to talk a little bit about that kind of your vision for your personal brand and what you're trying to influence other people using the bike as that vehicle? Yeah. So, I mean, bottom line for me on, on that is like, I think the bike is a tool that can bring people out of, you know, some tough mental spaces and, you know, like, dude, Jonathan Cantwell, do you know who that? Do you know who that is? Like Jonathan Cantwell committed suicide two days ago. Yeah, I did. I saw your post on that, and I, I saw some news on that. That was devastating. Dude, like you know, what I mean, like suicide's a real thing. Depression's a real thing. Like these are like, I mean, I, I recommend that your audience goes and reads my blog post that's coming out because like I literally talk about how like everything was going so good in my life. I'm dating these beautiful women. I'm having such a great time in my life, but I'm coming home at like quarter after one in the morning looking off my balcony and saying to myself, oh, shit, if I jump, I'm not even going to die, so it's not even worth it type mm -hmm. shit. You know what I mean? So it's like cycling and, and the bike is a pastime that forces you to physically exert to the point where you don't have the energy to, you know, go into these dark mental spaces. You know, put your energy into something positive instead of feeding those negatives. And for me, you, you, biking is something that helped me when my brother passed away, gave me something to kept me out of trouble, dude. Cause like, like I said, really normal inner city kid. It was very easy for me to go the wrong way. Had a lot of friends. I got in a lot of trouble growing up. You know what I mean? Like half my friends have been to the pen. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, <clears throat> it's a, it, it, it's a, it's a pastime that, you know, takes up a lot of time, takes up a lot of energy and can keep people from doing the wrong things. And that's why I'm so, uh, vocal about my stance on mental health and how I feel like cycling is probably, you know, one of the best, most accessible, most affordable. I mean, I'm not talking $20,000 bikes, mm. I mean, just normal people getting out on a bike and like maybe taking some inspiration from these pro riders. Like, you know, you tell a regular guy to go get on his bike and try to ride 45 K an hour, like get your bike up to 45 <laughs> an hour and then hold it there. Yep. See how long you can do it. You know what I mean? And so like, these types of things are like fun for regular people, you know what I mean? To experience what it's like to be a pro cyclist for 10 seconds, you know, like challenge yourself. And so I think, I think that that's a great entry point for people to get into the sport, just to, to have fun with being, you know, whatever, wherever they are in the sport, wherever they are with their fitness level, but to have something to, to look up to. And I think that where I'm going with my personal brand is that I'm just like everybody else, dude. you know what I mean? Like I'm a regular person. I wasn't, you know, born with tons of money. I couldn't afford the, the fancy stuff growing up, you know what I mean? But I just got on my bike and I wasn't scared to compete. And at the end of the day, like if I can go out and chase down my dreams, you know what I mean? Everybody else can too. And so where I'm going with, with my brand is I'm showing people that, you know, it's never too late to chase down your dream. It's never too late to go out and get what you want. 
know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's that's super awesome, and I think it definitely reflects in everything that you're uh, you're creating online. And what was that uh, blog? Where can people go find that blog? Yeah, so it'll be on ZachMorris.ca. Um, it'll be up there. Uh, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be. It's kind of like a tell-all. Okay, it's kind sweet. Of like a so the, you know, a lot of people they you know when they see you on Instagram they kind of build up these these thoughts about who you are as a person. And so like I, I have like a like I'm doing this podcast. Like you're probably seeing me in a different light than you've probably seen me on social media because you know Instagram and YouTube like you have to play by the rules of, of those platforms totally. if you want to grow. And so like it can be a little bit difficult to communicate exactly who you are and. I think it's important that people understand where I'm coming from because like, you know, Pro Tour Cycling, for example, is a platform that I've been developing for five years now for free. Like I don't make any money from Pro Tour. It's a platform that I've been continuing to develop to actually at this point support the growth of other riders. You know, you don't see very many, you know, Zach Morris promotions on Pro Tour Cycling. Like it's not even, it's hardly about me, dude. It's more about, mm-hmm. you know, providing exposure for all the athletes, you know? So I, uh, I've been really wanting to kind of share who I am with the audience so that everybody has a clear understanding of like what Zach's all about and maybe get rid of some of those, those, those false judgments that are out there about me. Yeah, no, it's been great to get to know more about your backstory because definitely more than I've seen on Instagram and totally understand by kind of playing by the rules. And, and another thing that I wanted to bring up is kind of this, uh, this partnership that you have with, uh, LG and kind of the the meanings behind the kit that you have with them and some of the inspirational stuff that you have on there and how, how did that partnership come to be and what kind of led you to put all of that stuff on that kit? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good question. So that, that partnership like dates back to me being 15 years old, riding in LG kits. Um, and, uh, when I came back to the sport, I said, you know, like Garneau's doing good things. Their brand has really developed over the years. They're an, they're a leader in the industry. Um, and so for my first year back, I really wanted to work with Garneau. So I, uh, I really connected with their global marketing manager. They saw my platforms, they saw my reach, you know, they were interested in, in having access to that. And, you know, so were some other companies, like I had offers from a lot of big brands too, you know, like I had offers from, uh, I don't know if I should say names, but like Rafa, like big brands Mm -hmm. to to be a part of what I was kind of doing. And. Uh, Garneau was kind of the place I wanted to be because they were from Canada. I'm Canadian, and they gave me total creative freedom. So initially, we were supposed to drop four kits. Um, you know, just being overwhelmed with like training, work, you know, life. I only got around to designing two kits, but the first kit I thought was really cool because it was like my signature green. Van Dessel hooked us up with custom bikes, so we had Which everything is absolutely all matching. Fire, by the way. So that oh, thanks. <laughs> that paint job was awesome. Thanks, I appreciate it. So, like, yeah, I, I made that first kit, and then I was like, you know what? Like this kit, like it just, it's cool, but it just doesn't express what I'm all about. And so, like, I figured, like, yo, I'm putting posting pictures on social media every day. Like, I want a kit that expresses what I'm all about and what I think people need to see. And what I think the sport needs. And so those words, those markings on my kit are, you know, what I live my life by and what I felt um, other people in the industry needed to be influenced by, which is things like empathy, like, you know, like understanding where other people come from. It's so easy to get pissed off. And like, I still do it all the time, you know what I mean? But I'm working on not being like that. 
so easy to get pissed off and like judge somebody instead of like look at where they're coming from you know mm-hmm. like i remember i remember like a couple years ago dude like <clears throat> like a year and a half ago i had this guy like commenting you know hateful things on instagram and i'm like yo why is this guy such a dick and then one day i open up my my instagram direct message and he writes me this this story and he's like yo my son's got cancer i need you to and I, you know, I, I'm trying to put this group ride together and like, you know, like his son had leukemia. And so like, I was like, you know what, even though I knew that this guy had been like commenting these trash talk things, I was like, let me see what I can do to help. You know? So I built a website. We started a charity. We started a charity ride for this guy. We raised like $25,000 in a day, you know, Dang. and he had, he had, he had his group ride. And that was because I, I, I had empathy for him instead of like saying, Hey, this guy's an idiot. It's like, let me try to understand where he's coming from. You know, why is he acting this way? And I think that as a whole, you know, when we look at people like, you know, Jan Ulrich, who's, who's been checking himself in, in rehab, it's yeah. like, you know, why are these things happening to Jan? Like, why, well, let's stop judging him and let's, let's try to figure out how to help him. You know what I mean? Like, where does he need support? Where do people in this community need support? Because, you know, there's a lot of brands out there doing really well, not giving back to the community at all. And so I feel like we need to stop supporting these brands that aren't doing anything for the athletes. And we need to look at the, the health of the athletes, the mental health of the athletes, the support of the athletes. You know, how are they paying their bills? How are they buying groceries? What kind of fallback do these athletes have? And so that's why I think collectively as a whole, us athletes, whether you're a cat five or a European pro, like we need to respect each other. You know, we need to respect each other. We need to try to understand where everybody's coming from so that we can collectively move forward as a sport. Yeah, that's super awesome. And kind of as you're trying to inspire inspire people in that sense, who do you kind of draw inspiration from? Who do you who do you look up to whether cycling, non-cycling, where do you kind of draw some of that inspiration from? Man, I I get inspiration from my mom, my sister, my brother-in-law, my brother, you know, I get inspiration from my family, dude. I get inspiration from the people that I see working hard around me. You know, when I see them doing what they can to to help out the people in their life that they care about. That's what motivates me. Um, I, uh, I'm really grateful for the support system that I have in my life. Um, the people that I have in my life. Um, and you know, those are, those are my biggest inspirations, you know, seeing, seeing the way my mom felt when my, you know, brother passed away, you know, seeing, seeing the, the, the damage that that took on our family. Um, that is, uh, that, that's a big inspiration, you know, for me to do great things for her and try to give her the best life that I possibly can type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's really cool. That's cool. So I want to touch just a little bit on training. Uh, and uh, I've seen recently, are you, are you new to the track, by the way? Have you been on the track before? Are you kind of, is that kind of a new adventure for you? Dude, I'm so new to the track, man. So new to the track. But I raced <laughs> I raced one of the national champs like a couple weeks ago, dude. Yeah, I saw that video. And so, what is uh, what's the track kind of teaching you about uh, about road cycling? Because I, I recently rode a, a fixed gear for the past year, and I feel like that just riding commuting wise taught me so much about road cycling. So, what has the track taught you about uh, cycling on the road? You know what's cool about the track? So, I uh, I went into the track totally green like i've i've become um i've just been a sponge i've been going there and like just asking a million questions trying to figure out like what is this track thing like there's really steep pitches there's all these rules blue line black black line you gotta 
you know, exchange certain ways. You can't just like pull off like you pull off on the road. Like, dude, the track is like a technical space. I had to take a certification just to be able to ride the track. Like, like, yo, what is going on? You know, and like, there's a reason why all these rules are in place because a, you know, it's so easy to cause a crash out there and B like you can't mess up. Like you once fall slip up and you're taking everybody on the track down. So like, what I think is really cool about the track for everybody, if anybody has the opportunity to go and get certified and like ride the track, I think it's hugely going to impact their road game because they're going to learn how to become a smoother rider on the road, which if you're not a smooth rider, you know, that's, that's an easy way to save energy to be more efficient. The track forces you to be efficient. So that's really cool. But what I love about the track, and this will only apply to like people that race is that, it gets you into the important part of the race straight away. So the events on the track are 10 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. It's like 10 minutes and you got to figure out who's going to win in the next 10 minutes. And that's, that's the most important part of the race. The last 10 minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's when you win or lose. That's when things start to get hairy. That's when you're banging elbows. That's when you're, you know, and so that's what the track is. It's like they throw you right into the important part straight off the bat. So you can get a lot of that clutch time experience on the track, which is what I find you know, super, super beneficial. That's sweet. That's sweet. I, I'll wrap up with one more training question for you. I've seen uh, through Instagram and stuff, you're trying to hit this uh, weight goal. And I think that's a big thing for people in cycling. And so what advice do you have for kind of losing weight in a healthy way and that you're not losing too much power in in the progress? Because it's definitely, you know, it's not like you're going to drop weight in a week. I was a wrestler growing up, and so I learned really well how to lose 10 pounds in one week, but that's not sustainable for cycling. So what what kind of advice do you have for that? Yeah, so, I mean, I actually my book's out now on Amazon. So oh, sweet. I was going to ask you about that as well. So Yeah, it's called The Critical Shift. So um, basically I pack – you know, it's a short read, but the the goal with the book was to give people enough information on metabolism and calories and how to track calories and um, how to use fasted training as a cyclist without affecting your performance in a negative way. So, you know, this year, dude, I lost 55 pounds. I was 200 pounds when I started biking. I'm 145 pounds now. Yeah, dang. So, I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of, that's like that's a half a person, you know, like that's a way, dude. Um, that is literally half my wife. So yes, that is half a person. <laughs> right. That's what I do. 50, I can't even believe it, man. Like I'm looking back on pictures and it's like, yo, like for me, it was just a matter of like, you know, let me lose two to three pounds a week, which is a realistic, sustainable goal when you're talking about fat, you know what I mean? And there's 53 weeks in a year. So, you know, if you, if you stay consistent with it, even if you lose one pound a week of fat, like you can do it, you know? And I think there's this really big stigma or there's just a lot of bad information out there and a lot of bad influencers out there who are like saying, yo, when I lose my weight, I lose my power. And that's bullshit. Mm. You know, when it comes down to endurance sports, it's about efficiency and the more efficient you can become, the better rider you're going to be. Like I, I see so many guys on group rides who are like, no, they're either 15, 15 pounds heavy, 20 pounds heavier than they should be. You know what I mean? no, if I, if I lose another 10 pounds and I lose, you know, 20 watts, it's like, yo, dumbass. Like if, <laughs> if, if, if you lost those 20 pounds, like your efficiency rate is going to go way up. So you can just ride like three, four kilometers an hour faster for an hour. Like that's a huge difference. 
And so my advice to anybody out there in the endurance game, for any endurance sport, whether you're a triathlete, whether you're, you know, a cyclist, whatever it is you're up to, you know what I mean? The leaner you can get, the better you'll perform. That's why we see these pro riders at 120 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about efficiency. It's about watts per kilo. And so the thing with weight loss, dude, is like, so with fuel, with fuel strip and with my experience in, in, in fitness and with all of the people that I've worked with around the world, there was this this thing like, oh, I can't lose weight too fast. You know, it's not healthy. And the recent studies have shown, it's like, dude, just get the weight off as fast as you possibly can. The faster you get it off, the less you'll rebound. There was this thing like, oh, if I lose weight really fast, then I'll gain it all back. And that's only if you continue on the bad habits, right? But if you if you say to yourself like, yo, in the next six weeks, I'm going to grind my ass off. I'm going to do cardio twice a day. I'm going to eat clean diet. Like you would so surprise yourself of how much weight you would lose. Right. But if after that six weeks, you go back to the habits that got you fat in the first place, well, guess what? You're going to get fat again. You know? So my advice to anybody in the endurance game would be a realize that you need to lose weight in order to be better. Like you need, you, you can, you can be three plus 4% body fat as an endurance athlete. And that's totally healthy. B point number two is that you're you're not going to be worse or less powerful by losing weight. That's a lie, right? And then three, you got to be consistent with whatever it is you're going to do. So if you're going to decide to lose weight, stick to it, and then don't go back on what you did. And what I mean by that is don't start eating crappy food just because you lost the weight because you will put it back on. Yeah, that's that's super awesome to hear and uh, kind of changing my mind too in, in a in a lot of sense. So that's awesome advice. Thank you so much. And again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And, uh, you know, I want people to follow you. So where can people find you, whether it be bear pro tour cycling? Uh, yeah. Where can people find you? No, hit, hit me up on my Instagram. It's at underscore Zach Morris at a C K M O R R I S. Um, that's the best place to get a hold of me. It's really like the only platform that I'm you know, using. Like I have Facebook, I have Twitter, but I like, I don't even use it. I, I'm a bad I'm a bad social marketer because all of those things are, are, are really important, you know, but, um, yeah, yeah. That's where you're going to get a hold of me is on Instagram. Cool. Cool. And then, so the book is out, uh, blog going up next week. So zachmorris.ca, they can get the book on Amazon, right? Yeah. There's a link on, on my website too. Well, the website's not, it's going to be live by the time this podcast goes out. So yeah, zachmorris.ca, you can get the link to the book there. You know, it's only six bucks. So it's not like a, it's, I just wanted to get the information out there more than anything. And like I said about the book, it's not a be all, tend all or end all. It's a good beginner's, you know, guide to how to, uh, how to just be a little bit more efficient on the bike or uh, as an endurance athlete in general. Oh, sweet. That's awesome. Again, thank you so much for uh, being on anything else you want to close out with. Oh yeah. Anything I want to close out with, geez, that's a good, (laughs) no pressure, but yeah. We go on for another hour on that one. So yeah yeah what i would say is you know what i mean like if you're a leader in your community you know whether you're you know like you're doing a great thing with this podcast you know what i mean i think that's an amazing thing you're somebody who's out there actively creating content if you have the ability to create if you have the ability to facilitate for others go out and do that you know let's stop thinking about you know putting ourselves forward and what we need and start thinking about how we can facilitate and empower other people and i think that's an important message that Uh, I I think needs to get out to the masses. And if you can share that with your audience, I mean, for me, that would be worth coming on the podcast in itself. So that's, uh, that's it. Sweet. Well, thank you. Thank you. Go check him out. Go check out the book. 
check out the blog. Come out, well, drop in the same day as this as well. Check them out on social media. And thanks again. Thank you very much. I hope you all really enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed conducting that interview. I hope you got a lot out of it. I hope it was inspiring. I hope it, it just made you want to get out on your bike more, but then also to you know spread love, spread influence of what you're doing in your own cycling career and how that can influence other people out there on a daily basis for positive change. So that is... That was definitely kind of the goal of the interview as well to get at Zach's story because I know that it helped to inspire me and I wanted to inspire you all out there. So yes, go check out cyclingwithwatts.com. You'll find all of Zach's links over there. So looking forward just a little bit. Got another podcast coming out next Tuesday. It's going to be on Pro News and on Tech. So get yourself prepared for that one. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this is your first time again, thank you so much for listening. And then for all you people who regularly listen, thank you so much for regularly listening to this. And I'd love to hear from you. So send me some questions at cyclingwithwatts at gmail.com. Hit me up on Instagram, cyclingwithwatts. Thank you so much. Have a fantastic Friday. It is the weekend. I hope you're riding your bike somewhere, whether it's indoors, whether that's outdoors, whether you're freezing cold, whether you're soaking up the sun. Enjoy your bike. Enjoy your bike. Enjoy your bike. Adios and have a great weekend.